jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three! Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown! If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Powered for Soaring through the air! High-flying Slovakian! Screen pass here, he'll get one. And he stays alive and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat, he'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse! And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration, step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Welcome in. Welcome aboard. Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. Seth Goldberg, Stephen Fonte with you up until 2 o'clock. 315-437-7644 is the telephone number. 2880644 on the text line or on Twitter at ESPN Syracuse at Seth Goldberg 17 at Stephen Fonte NC9. Steve, we got a lot to get to. We got Mike Waters coming up in hour number two. We got Stephen Bailey coming up in hour number two. Those will go uh, back to back. Stephen Bailey around 115, Mike Waters around 130. Uh, we got Magic Johnson abruptly quitting on the Lakers. Dirk Nowitzki, Dwayne Wade each playing their final uh, home games. Of their long Hall of Fame careers, uh, we've got Spring Ball and SU Lacrosse going out and and putting up a great performance. Uh, you know, in in last night's game against Cornell. Uh, but I think I think we start with Syracuse basketball, and uh, you know, an article that Mike put out, Mike Waters put out today. Um, it, it, some great stuff, and you know, Mike talked to Jim Beheim for for a while at the Final Four, and you know, seemed to get a lot of really interesting information out of him today. The the article on Syracuse.com saying Jim Beheim has no plans to retire. And uh, you know, I don't know about you, Steve, but when I saw that headline, I, I wasn't necessarily shocked by that headline, given everything we've heard uh from Jim Beheim in, in recent years. No, I mean I wasn't shocked either, and I, I think that you know all along, and this was refer- referenced in the article. All along, we've we've kind of thought that well, you know, he'll see Buddy through, and then maybe they'll kind of go out together. Buddy will graduate, Bayheim will retire, so on and so forth. The fact that he's not putting a plan out there, and he says there's no end date. Um, number one, that could be the case. Maybe he just wants to keep coaching, and it's one of those things. When I know it's time, it's time. The other thing is. And again, they talk about this in the article about how other programs were negatively recruiting Syracuse and saying, ah, he's not going to be there. You don't want to go to Syracuse. <laughs> exactly. You don't want to throw a timeline out there because then as it gets closer to the end of that timeline, it becomes, well, you know, you, you don't know who you're going to be playing for. And, you know, if you're not a one and done guy and you're there for two or three years, who's the next coach going to be? And, and at least before you knew it was going to be Hopkins, or at least you thought it was going to be Mike Hopkins. Um, and that plan obviously changed. So, he may not know when the his you know last season's going to be. That may be true. Um, and and if if he does know when that season's going to be, of course he's not going to put it out there because he doesn't want to be you know negatively re- recruited against, especially as it gets closer and you know closer and closer to that date. Yeah, and and I think that it's interesting to to kind of look back and and look through this this uh, uh you know interview that that Mike wrote up and and see some of the comments that you know Jim Jim made about Mike uh, Mike Hopkins and and hey like yeah I was you know we had a we had a plan in place it worked that that was a plan that made a lot of sense um and you know maybe right now that plan just would not you know ha- having a similar plan right now wouldn't make the same amount of sense because 
you know, as much as you and I might think Adrian Autry and Jerry McNamara particularly are both going to be so, uh, head coaches and pretty good ones, and, and I think Alan Griffin will be a head coach as well, um, you know, but, you know, given given their hierarchy and, and their time on staff, Jerry and Red are, you know, a, a step above in that hierarchy than, than Griff just because of how long, uh, you know, their tenure, so to speak. Um, they're not at that same level that Hop was at when they said, hey, he's coaching, waiting. And so I, I find it interesting hearing Bayheim talk a, a little bit more about that and diving into that process of, no, I really was going to step down, and, and I wanted to make sure that Mike was the guy to be you know, the next head coach, and, and I wanted to make sure that happened. Um, you know, when you have a plan in place, and we've talked about this in the past, it's hard to necessarily negative recruit because who's the guy going out, and, and who was the guy in a lot of cases going out and recruiting players? Like, Mike Hopkins was somebody who was out there on the recruiting trail, so if you liked Mike Hopkins, like, you didn't mind that Jim Beheim might retire in the middle of your time at Syracuse. Uh, you know, and, and if, if Jim Beheim were to put a timeline on it now and say, hey, I've only got a year left, or I'm or I'm leaving when Buddy leaves, uh, then you can go and say, hey, do you, do you like Syracuse or do you like Jerry McNamara? Do you like Syracuse or do you like Alan Griffin? You know, you don't know if and how that might change, you know, after Coach Beheim retires. And, and you know, if you're another school, you might say that. Um, I don't know that I necessarily... Love the idea. I mean, I don't. I know what happens. I don't love the idea of negative recruiting like that. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of all part of the game. And so by leaving this open-ended and by leaving it out there as just like a, hey, it's hanging out there, uh, it, it makes your job a little easier by not putting a definitive end date on it. And, you know, in, in regards to this, you know, why did Hopkins leave and, and you know, the conspiracy theories out there that, that Bayham had no plans on retiring and said he was staying and Hopkins said, okay, well, I need to go then. And I know on face value, it's hard to accept that the thing played out the way that the two coaches have said that it played out. But again, we're not in Mike Hopkins' mind, right? We we don't know what is important to Mike Hopkins. There are things that, you know, everybody prioritizes things differently. And when he left, Hop said that he wanted to go to the West Coast, be closer to his family. We know that his dad, you know, has not been well for a few years now. He said that he wanted to go and build his own program. He's obviously from the West Coast. There were a lot of reasons that, that this was the right fit for Mike Hopkins, and he has articulated those reasons publicly. And and Beheim has said all along that he planned on retiring. Hopkins left, and then they they came up with this plan of attack. You know, shortly after Hopkins uh, made the announcement, and so he decided to to stay on as head coach. And I know for some people that is hard to accept on face value, but could it be that that's yes, really the is. way it played out? I mean, is is could it be? <laughs> I, I can that, understand if you don't necessarily believe how that played out because for a little while I didn't believe that that's how it played out. But it, you know, two, with with two to three years of hindsight, yeah, it's, it sure seems like that's how it, played it, out. it could be. So I guess you know we we have to take their word for it, right? I mean, we we don't know what happened. There, there are probably five people on the planet that know really how that whole thing played out. You know, Hopkins, Bayheim, John Wildhack. The you know, I was, right, I was going to say <laughs> both wives. Um, you, you know, uh, Julie and Trish. And, and, and you know, maybe maybe a few more than that. But a handful of people, maybe a dozen, of pe- dozen people know truly how that thing played out. So, you know, when Hopkins is adamant about, yeah, it was nothing against Syracuse. I left because I wanted to build my own program. I wanted to go home. This felt like the right fit. So on and so forth. You know, he, he was in the mix for other jobs. This is the one that he really went after you know and you know um, what i bet i bet and, and this is just conjecture i would imagine that if usc had offered him the job instead of going with dunk city's coach you know when when they did i i would imagine that that would have been a job that would have gotten mike hopkins to leave syracuse a couple years earlier yeah again, la la kid going checked to, a lot of the boxes checked a lot of boxes so 
you know, I think we I think we have to at this stage, you know, and I realize it was difficult at first, but now that we're a few years removed from it, I think everybody needs to let that just rest. You know, that Beheim says that's how it played out. Hopkins says that's how it played out. So, you know, let's let's all just kind of move on from it. What does it matter at this point? But I know there are a lot of people that that question how that whole thing went down. Fact of the matter is, Hop's got a great job. He's doing very very well. And you know, Beheim has a great job. I, I wouldn't be ready to give that one up either. No, like I don't right. blame him. You exactly. Know, if, I, if I had if I had the perfect job in the world and it, and it was the job that I always wanted, I I wouldn't be eager to give that up either. You know, I, I just wouldn't. And so I understand why Jim Beheim isn't like, hey, I'm. Is kind of tired of these questions. Now, with that being said, here's the part that I really find interesting, and I mentioned this in the Sports Center update. Um, it is not now that he's just you know some some sixty some odd year coach or or even a seventy year coach uh, year old coach, right? Like he he is now the oldest head coach in NCAA Division One history, and I don't I don't think that's a bad thing, right? He he seems to be in good health. He seems to still want to do this job, and that's a great thing. However. I think that you have to understand that when you are the oldest head coach in NCAA Division One history, and he passed John Chaney earlier this year, you have to understand that you're going to keep getting these questions, right? Like you, you have to understand that when you are now five months older than anybody who's ever coached college basketball before um, at this level, you've got to know that you're going to keep getting questions about how long you're going to be doing this. So Jim Beheim can say this to Mike Waters, and Jim Beheim can try and make it abundantly clear, like, hey, no, I'm here, I'm going to be sticking around here for a while. But the fact of the matter is that no NCAA Division One head coach has ever made it to 75 while sitting on the bench. I, and Jim Be- and Jim Beheim is going to do that next season. I think it's a fair question, and, and I know why the questions keep popping up. Uh, I will say this. It feels like these questions have have been popping up with Jim Beheim for several years, yes. and as Mike lays out in the the article that he posted today, you know Beheim seventy four, Coach K seventy two, Leonard Hamilton seventy, Jim Larinaga sixty nine, Roy Williams sixty eight. So has Beheim been facing these questions for the last six seven years? I would say Absolutely. yes. So my question is why why does everybody repeatedly ask Beheim? Do you do you think? And again, we're not in these various markets, but do you think Roy Williams gets asked about it? Repeatedly, do you think Coach K gets asked about it repeatedly? Do you think you know Leonard Hamilton gets asked well, about it repeatedly? You know why Leonard Hamilton doesn't get asked about he it? He doesn't look like he, he's seventy. He looks like he looks he's like fifty-five. I was just right. going to say that he looks that's great. Why he doesn't. I can't believe he, he doesn't get asked. I can't believe he's seventy years is, old. I've I've said this on the show before. That is something that every year I'm amazed by. Every year I look and I'm like, wow, Leonard Hamilton is seventy-one. What? Like, like this year it was wow, Leonard Hamilton is seventy, and it happens around the same time every season. Like when Syracuse goes and plays Florida State, I find I I realize this again. Um, but like last year, I remember swiping through my time hop at one point, and last year I had a tweet that was like, wow, Leonard, Leonard Hamilton is sixty-nine. When did that happen? <laughs> like the year before, wow, Leonard Hamilton is sixty-eight. When did that happen? Like every year, I'm amazed by it. Um, but to that point, Steve. I remember, what was it, three years ago at the Final Four? Was it at the one in, in 2016 when Syracuse and, and UNC played in the Final Four and Syracuse loses to UNC? And one of the first questions, among the first questions to Jim Beheim is, hey, have you thought about retiring? Right. And he goes, you ask Roy that question? Like, are, are you going to ask Roy that question? Because I'm kind of tired of it, and he's like three years younger than me. Right. And so, like, I, I guess in, or, you know, I guess in that way, that's why... You know, maybe that's why he's just like, man, I've got to stop these questions. Like, I'm tired of it. Well, right, and I, I, I don't quite understand it why, you know, he gets them all the time, but 
and I don't know this to be facts because we don't work in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina, but my guess is Kay's not getting asked that all that much. Roy Williams so. isn't getting asked that all that much. Um, but, you know, yet Jim Beheim repeatedly has been asked that question. And again, not just recently, like going back, you know, half dozen years, he's been asked that question. So um, it's, it's interesting. And I, you know, I, I really found what Mike wrote about today was was fascinating. I wasn't necessarily surprised by anything, but again, just it the, was just interesting. The to candid read. nature with which he, you know, responded to those questions. Um, you know, it was a great interview by Mike, as usual. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. You know, it's it's why we want to have Mike on <laughs> coming up uh, a little bit later. We'll talk to him about that Final Four a little bit, about Jesse Edwards a little bit. But you know, this Jim Beheim interview that he's kind of rolling out in pieces, I, I found really interesting. Uh, why don't we hit the phones here before we take our first time out? We've got Pat in Syracuse on the line three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. The telephone number. Pat, you're up first. What's up? I, I think with this with this topic here, uh, why I care is. The recruiting, and I think there was three factors to um, a, a down year or two in recruiting. And uh, you know, people like to say that the biggest factor was the limitation of scholarships. It did a little bit, but I, I, I mean, let's face it: when when you're limiting scholarships, I, I think actually what, what hurt more is the limit of how many coaches and for how long is more than the actual number. I, I think you know, if you can focus on you know your system guys in your top ten of your you know year, then you should be fine with, with, with that amount of scholarships. But what, what, what really strikes a nerve with me, and, and I, I'm trying to figure out why, it, it is, like, did let's, let's look at it this way. So Mike had one year left to wait, okay? You're trying to tell me that you believe two things. Well, me, me, I, I, don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I have a hard time swallowing two things. One, Jim is saying his preference, if he – had to gauge his preference. His preference was that he wanted to retire versus wanted to not. That's not I what he said. That's that. not and what he said. That's not what he said in the article. He said that the plan was for him to retire. He didn't and say he was, was his, on board. He with didn't the say plan. it was his preference. He said that was his plan. Right. So okay. So if if that's really what it was, then he's saying. So Mike Hopkins is then saying that he that Mike Hopkins' preference was to a not wait one season more after you've already waited 20 years for a head coaching job at your alma mater and a place that you waited 20 years for this job. You can't wait 5% longer one more year and you need to leave. I don't buy that for a minute. Yeah, Pat, and Pat, look, that's fine. And I'm going to say this because I, like, trust me, I was on board with this. Like, I was fully on board with this. I thought that there was something weird. I, I really did. I thought that there was some understanding that, that the plan had changed. And, we hey, there's a new athletic director in town. This athletic director wasn't the one who made that decision a couple of years back. And you know what? Like, we're, we're good, right? We're, we're, we're good. Jim Beheim and, and John Wildhack worked something out, and, like, they're going to— they're going to keep on going, and, and Mike Hopkins knew that. I was on board with that idea. Like, I really was. Uh, everything that I feel like we've read the last two years is contrary to that. Everything that we've ever read about this is contrary to that. And I really do believe that Mike Hopkins looked at a situation and said, okay, I could be closer to my family. I could be somewhere where my dad grew up. I can go build something at a program, and I can be playing for first, rather than no matter what he does here, he's not getting his name on the court. He's not the greatest coach of all time. He's not this and this and this. And it doesn't matter. And so he went somewhere where he can create that, right? He went somewhere where he can create his own thing. So, Pat, I understand why you call in and you say that. I really do. I'm not like... I'm not like trying to take a shot because I 
I believed that for a while. Like I thought there was something fishy. I, I don't. I like I've I've kind of gotten past it. Like I, I don't think that that's a thing anymore. And, and Pat, I appreciate you not putting words in my mouth because that you know if you go back to what I just said, I don't know. I, I don't pretend to know. I, I don't know truly what happened. And that's why I said that on face value, I get why people struggle with it. But we don't know what Mike Hopkins' priority was. He has said, and this kind of this stuck with me, when he said, if I went to Syracuse, I would have been protecting something. I would have been protecting Jim Beheim's legacy. I would have been protecting that tradition and everything he built. If I stayed at Syracuse and became the head coach there, I would be protecting something. By going to Washington, I had the chance to build something and build something that was my own. And again, I, I, I'm not in Mike Hopkins' head. I, you know, We look at it and say, well, he was here for so long. Why didn't he just stick with it and stay one more year and then take over? You know what? Even if, let's say... Even if the plan was, you know, that, that Bayham was going to retire, we know that he loves to coach. So, you know, did did Mike Hopkins struggle with that? Not that he was pushing Jim Bayham out because that was the the plan all along. But you know, could he tell that his boss was was torn a little bit with you know the fact that he was going to have to retire? Um, was he concerned about being the guy to follow the guy? Everything you talked about, Seth, with. No matter what he did, he would never go down as the greatest coach no, it didn't in, matter. in the program's history because Jim Bam's name's on the court and, and, and Jim Bam was there for 40 years. And, and because of age, he wasn't going to be here for 40 years and win 1,000 games. Right. So, again, I, I don't know what Mike Hopkins' priorities are, but, but when, he, when he said that about protecting something versus building something, that really stuck with me. Um, and, and I've... You know, I'm, I'm reminded of that, you know, time and again as we as we look at this situation. So, again, I appreciate you not putting words in my mouth, Pat, because I don't pretend to know exactly how this whole thing went down. I know on face value it's tough to accept, um, but it could be a plausible reason, right? I mean, that, that could be how it played out. That Mike Hopkins saw a better opportunity. It was something that he's always wanted to do, be his be the head coach of his own program. And and he jumped at it. And then Jim Bam stayed on, and, and, and here we are. Let's take a time out here, put a, put a bow on that. Uh, we'll come back. we got spring football talk to get to. Uh, today's business coming up in hour number one today. If you want to call in, 315-437-7644. We'll keep on rolling here on Orange Nation next. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Back here on Orange Nation as we uh, switch gears a little bit talk some football we are brought to you by charles heating and air and steve you know uh it is football season it is the end of spring practice and we'll have the spring game coming up on saturday um i I guess let's start here and i know we have a little bit of sound uh from dino babers and and tommy devito uh what are you what are you kind of most looking forward to here in this spring game like what are you looking forward to seeing the most what do you want to see in this thing well, you know, the the, the thing I want to see is Tommy DeVito. Um, I like I, how that's now the answer two spring games in a row. It's like, I yeah, want to see Tommy DeVito. But again, you know, and, and we know how these spring games go. They're not going to show all that much. It's going to be very vanilla. I don't know how much we're going to see slash learn about Tommy DeVito. I think we learned quite a bit about him last year. I mean, we learned a lot about him in that North Carolina game. Um, and, and he had an up and down year, and I think that's to be expected. Anybody who's coming in and, and new to the position and new to college football, and you know, he came in and spot 
spot duty on several occasions. I think he appeared in eight games, if I'm not mistaken, eight of the 13. He at least made an appearance, um, you know, some longer than others. But the season didn't get off to a great start against Western Michigan for him. Um, you know, didn't he, end on a great he, note either. Yeah, he had the hiccup against uh, you know Notre Dame as well, where he was thrown into action. But you know, he came through with arguably the biggest performance of of the season, the biggest spot anyway, when they came back against North Carolina. And you know, you and I talked about this last week that we both felt like that was the turning point to the season. That if they lose that game and they've got North Carolina State coming in next week. Um, you know they they could have been four and four. Who who knows how the thing plays out if they lose that game to North Carolina? Um, right. We t- look. We talked about this what a, a week ago when we did our top five Tuesdays, and, and we said like our our kind of moments of the year. Like we we talked about that and and how um, how you know it that week that whole week the UNC week the the UNC game followed by the the discussion for five days followed by Eric Dungey coming out and crushing it against NC State. That was a huge turning point in in the season. Led by Tommy DeVito, you know, yeah. going out and, and who playing knows? the way he did. If he doesn't play well in that spot, who knows how the season turns out? I mean, they would have been, well, could have been four and four, and again, they finished ten and three. So they win that game, and and they were able to keep things on track and, and keep on winning. Um, then they had the hiccup against Notre Dame down the stretch, but they finished ten and three. They, you know, into the national rankings and and so on and so forth. And who knows if that happens if Tommy DeVito doesn't come in that spot and perform? So I think we learned a lot about him in that particular game and. and and throughout the season, I don't think we're going to learn all that much about him on Saturday. Um, but just him being out there and, and being with the first team, and it's 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 his show now. And so I think that you know, for me, I'm I'm interested in in seeing that. Um, I'm interested in seeing everything else that, that is is coming with this game as well. Um, I'm interested to see the crowd. You know, we keep saying that there there is a buzz that we haven't seen around here in quite some time. Will there be that buzz on Saturday? You know, we talk about you know Tom Coughlin and Larry Zonka coming back and 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 how exciting that is for the the fans in this program and this community. Dino Babers seems legitimately excited. You know, he said, "I'm looking forward to shaking Larry Zonka's hand. I've never met him before." Um, so I'm I'm excited to see everything surrounding this, you know, the 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 autograph session with the the all-time greats and and how many fans turn out and the the Q&A that's that's lined up for beforehand and they they have a coaching clinic going on and a cheerleading clinic and and so on and so forth. There's so much associated with this game aside from just the scrimmage. Um, and I'm I'm curious to see if if the fans buy into it. I think they will. I, I don't know if there's going to be a huge crowd. I think we're going to see a little bit of a bump though than we've seen in recent years. Yeah, look, we're we're never going to have seventy thousand. Like, no, <laughs> you know, and and I, I don't say that because of the capacity of the dome. Like I, you know, we're, you're never going to have the Ohio State, the Alabama, the Clemson type turnout. Florida you can't State. get a full dome for, for a, a, ga- a big game. You're yeah, not going to get but, it for a but scrimmage. My, but my point being, you're you're never going to get crazy turnout like that. But can you get better than what you have in years past? And I think the answer is yes yeah um that being said you mentioned tommy devito first and you said you're intrigued and and you want to see more of him i do too and i i wonder and maybe i'm off base tell me if i am i wonder if we see more out of tommy devito in this spring game because we've seen him already in game action i don't think so does that make sense though because last year at the spring game we hadn't seen anything of Tommy DeVito. And look, they, they weren't broadcasting the game. It wasn't on ESPN3. It, it wasn't on the ACC Digital Network. It wasn't anywhere. But you don't want to give anybody an idea of what he might have, right? Because anybody could have, in theory, anybody could have walked into the Dome and had, and, and you know, put out video and, and whatever. Um, you have a couple games of tape. 
You that game against UNC, that that fourth quarter in overtime against UNC is some pretty compelling tape. And you know that what you know what he can do at his best, you know what he can do at his worst, you know his strength, you know his weakness. So, I'm not saying that you have a great grasp of Tommy DeVito, but there is something out there. So, do we maybe see something something thrown in a little bit just to make it more interesting for the fans. I don't think so. Uh, this is what I liken it to. Uh, you know, We've both covered the NCAA tournament, me for a few more years than you, because I'm a little bit older than you, or, or maybe I'm a lot older than you. But we know that, that you go to each site, and there's a practice that is scheduled for the fans, right? The fans yes. are allowed to come in and watch, and then the team goes off-site, and they have a closed-door workout. This is the the practice for the, fans. for the fans, and you don't see you know at the final four the the practice for the fans. You don't see them running sets. You don't see them working on the the defense that they're going to have for the, the, for the following night. It is it's a glorified uh, you know light workout in front of the fans. They dunk a lot. They shoot some threes. They do some drills. It's 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 a warm up for the real practice, or in this case, the real scrimmage. They do the real scrimmages behind closed doors. You know, a week prior that you know they sprinkle them out over over the course of spring practice. This is the glorified Final Four practice in front of the fans. That's what Saturday's going to be. So, no, I don't expect to see anything. (laughs) But see, here's the funny thing about that. If you were to make that same analogy, what is what is the dunk contest? What is the shooting long-range threes of football, right? It's it's throwing deep bombs. It's me. And so, like... It's funny because that's kind of what you well, don't well, want they, to show off, and, and that's. I mean, they everybody knows he's got an arm. So if they want to throw, you know, just like a, you know, a deep post pattern, like that's not giving away any secrets. They they may throw the ball. I'm not saying they're not going to throw the ball at all during the during the scrimmage. I guess what I'm saying is we're not going to see you know, how he reacts in certain situations. We're not going to see, you know, how he reacts against a, a blitz. Like no, no, you know, they, that they, is they, never happening. No, I mean, they, they don't want him to get hurt. There's going to be, it, it's going to be very vanilla. We know this. Um, you know, is he going to throw the ball deep a couple of times? Maybe. But I, I don't think we're going to learn anything about Tommy DeVito. I'm not sure we're going to learn much about this team other than it's just an opportunity to see, you know, the football team run around and kind of carry that momentum and and bridge the gap from, you know what happened in late December to you know the beginning of August when they come back and report to camp and give the fans in this community something to get excited about and just kind of bridge the gap between the two things. But no, I, I don't think we're going to learn a whole heck of a lot about this team on Saturday. Yeah, um, I'm kind of with you. I, I it's think wishful that, thinking it, on it your is, part. It is wishful thinking that we'll see much of anything. But uh, yeah, we're, we're not going to see all that much. It's going to be a fun celebration of, of Syracuse football and you know be able to see this team back on the field for the first time and give Dino a cheer in the dome and, and on and on and on. The, I think the event outside is going to be fantastic. Um, you know, if, if it is anything like the, the event that we did at, at the mall, which I think it will be, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a lot of fun. So it's going to be a fun day. You're not going to learn all that much about the team. Yeah, and so you asked me what I'm looking forward to. Yes, I'm looking forward to seeing Tommy DeVito run the offense. But I, again, I don't. I I have tempered my expectations leading into Saturday. I, I'm also excited about just everything surrounding this event and the fact that people genuinely seem excited about Syracuse football in the month of April. And I can't remember the last time that we've been able to say that. Do people ask me here and there, you know, in the spring about about football or you know what do you think for next year? It happens occasionally. It's happening more and more. Like people are genuinely excited about this team, and and you know, it's been a while. It's been it's been <laughs> it a long while since that's been the case. So I'm I'm excited about that. Let's take a time out here. We'll talk more Syracuse football coming up with Stephen Bailey in in about 45 minutes. We'll talk more Syracuse basketball with Mike Waters coming up in about an hour from now. Next we go. 
into today's business. We head to the NBA. Magic Johnson, Dirk Nowitzki, Dwayne Wade all in the headlines last night. That's next on ESPN Radio.